from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to explore how connected vehicle technology is transforming fleet management. Modern trucks are equipped with an expanding array of sensors and telematics systems, which not only track vehicle location and performance information, but also enable remote diagnostics capabilities so fleets can monitor engine fault codes from afar. And looking ahead, the rise of connected vehicle technology is also supporting the emergence of electric and autonomous trucks. But how can trucking companies harness all of this data to improve their operations? And how will connected trucks change fleet management in the future? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode. To learn more about the future of connected vehicle technology, we're excited to bring in two industry experts from Penske Transportation Solutions. I'd like to welcome Bill Combs, Vice President of Connected Vehicle Strategy and Experimentation, and Samantha Thompson, Manager of Fleet Telematics and Customer Success. Thank you both for joining the program. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, for years now, we've been hearing that the three megatrends that are really driving the future of commercial trucks are connected vehicle technology, electrification, and automated driving. Now, connected vehicle technology doesn't always get as much attention as electric or automated trucks, but of those three trends, that's really the one that's furthest along. Uh, you know, Penske, for one, has its own connected fleet platform that connects various uh, telematics systems that uh, different uh, component suppliers and technology providers uh, have in the marketplace. And that's enabling a range of services such as remote diagnostics. So I'd like you guys just to take us through that. You know, how are you supporting your customers these days through this technology? And how do you see connected vehicle technology expanding in the years ahead? Um, before we can even get into... Um connected fleet platform and, and how we're utilizing that, we have to take a step back and talk about the technology our customers are using. And our approach is a little bit different than some other folks in the industry. Uh, we take a consultative approach um, where we work with a number of providers um, to help our customers adopt various technologies, whether it be ELDs, GPS trackers, cameras, et cetera. Uh, we really want to make sure that the um, recommendations that we are making through this um, consultation process are prescriptive to our customers' needs. And that requires us to know um, a ton of information about what's out there on the market and vet these systems on the behalf of our customers who don't necessarily have the time or ability to um, thoroughly research what the best options are for them. So um, here at Penske, we do have a team dedicated to helping our customers to, one, um, understand what technology is available to them, um, help them to adopt that technology, and then also help them to maximize their investment in that technology by um, enabling them to integrate with Penske in various ways, um, chief of which being the connected fleet data platform that you mentioned. Um, and I, I see that, you know, moving forward being a kind of key to our, our business and even our customers' business. The more data they can share with us, the better partner we can be to them. You know, it's, you know, like I said, connected you know, fleet technology is is not new per se. You know, you can really uh, trace, you know, the beginnings, you know, back to the, you know, the very early mobile communication systems uh, back in the, in the 1980s, but it's really evolved a lot into much more uh, sophisticated telematic systems now, uh, remote diagnostics. And, you know, we're also getting into regulatory compliance with uh, ELDs, which are now uh, required for uh, long haul operations, but 
Uh, I want to get your thoughts on how connected vehicle technology has been expanding uh, over the years and, and where do you see it going next? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's getting into the connectivity game, right? And um, the ELD mandate actually forced a lot of fleets who weren't thinking about it into connectivity, whether they liked it or not. The design of um, ELDs are, you know, coming with connectivity. Uh, put the device in the truck, hook it up to the engine. What's going on with this vehicle? Where is it? What's it located? And they have the ability to share data out. Um, where I'm seeing this going is that one the ELD market's getting more and more consolidated, but connectivity is going up for a number of reasons. One, the OEMs are making it a part of their strategy and they are including um, connectivity within their vehicles um, where they were partnering a lot with a lot of third party providers, some of the bigger players out there. We're seeing a trend where the OEMs are actually starting to put um, more investments in kind of gateways so that anyone can leverage the data off of these vehicles and put it to work, um, whether it's in their fleet or in situations where Penske, you know, being a maintenance service provider. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you know, the OEMs have really uh, invested a lot in remote diagnostics in particular, uh, you know, and, and really in recent years, this has become, you know, almost a common feature on late model equipment. Uh, not not really a novelty anymore, just increasingly becoming uh, table stakes. But you know, I'm curious uh, as to what you guys have seen so far. You know, of course, you know Penske uh, uh, operates and maintains so many vehicles. Uh, just how much of a difference has you know, some of the remote diagnostics capabilities that have that have come online? You know, how much of a difference have they made in uh, vehicle maintenance and uh, reducing vehicle downtime? Yeah, you're right, Seth. The OEMs have been they for years have had some sort of remote diagnostics. Uh, you know, name different names for different OEMs, but some sort of program where um, we can see uh, issues with vehicles, both, uh, you know, fault code related and, and otherwise. Um, what's interesting about Penske is, you know, there aren't many companies um, at our scale, and it's not just the size of the fleet. It's not just having 325,000 trucks to operate. It's the fact that those trucks are made up of, you know, from thousands of different fleets. So, and they're, they're every type of OEM, every make model, many years um, of those makes and models, and they're being operated in a lot of different ways. So for us to take something, to, to operationalize uh, various systems that OEMs have come out with over the years and to, to be able to actually use those efficiently just wasn't quite working for us. So we are you know, something in between an OEM and a fleet, when you think about how we have to operationalize the equipment and, and matching it with customers and everything else. So um, we've actually been building uh, for the last handful of years, our own remote diagnostics capabilities, and we're doing it through discussion with the OEM. So um, something that works for a Freightliner or Volvo or Navistar um, on their particular product line um, isn't necessarily going to, number one, work perfectly for us. If our people, say, in our 24-7 call center, roadside call center, have to jump into multiple different programs to diagnose issues with vehicles and you have different types of nomenclature and language and everything that's used in each um, and get to know the user interface from each, really what we need is a single system that Number one can be, you know, an alerting mechanism for us. And number two uh, is something that even used in sort of historical ways of 
driver has an issue with the vehicle, they call our 800 number to our call center. We need to be able to quickly get into that exact vehicle and get a quick history. And it has to be something that our 24 seven uh, roadside coordinator can understand and then create an action plan based off of that. So um, having that capability in house has been a huge improvement and just using, just thinking about our 24 seven call center, uh, it's based here in Pennsylvania and um, that team's taking, you know, hundreds and thousands of calls um, and around the clock. And for them to be able to have one sort of um, uh, system of truth where they can go to for this data and information and have it put in front of them in a, in a logical way has been a huge benefit to us. And, and it's not like we're building competing systems. We're just building a system that can use some of the learnings these OEMs have had. Plus we can bake it in a way that makes it usable by the type of fleet we're operating. So this more fleet of fleets rather than a, a specific fleet of 300 plus thousand trucks. Sure. Makes perfect sense. And, and I'll add to that briefly. And um, just like we were talking about these OEM systems that are out there and our customers have access to those, but Penske's position is pretty unique where we've got these relationships with the OEMs and we can leverage their expertise, but then we've got, you know, you know, 40 plus years of maintenance experience that we are bringing to the table. So these systems are available to our customers, but our customers are rarely their own maintenance service providers. So honestly, um, these notifications, the reports, they can become a lot of noise if the right people aren't looking at it. Um, and it can just be fault codes going off that aren't severe, but that aren't, um, that can wait to the next PM or what have you. So that sort of information coming into Penske versus going directly to our customers is powerful because more often than not, we are their maintenance service providers. So we are the ones that are going to put that data to work. We're going to operationalize that data and put together that plan to take care of that vehicle. Yeah. And, you know, really uh, to your point, Sam, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think now with uh, any sort of technology, you know, especially fleet telematics and, and remote, remote diagnostics is another great example. There's just so many sources of data. You know, there's so many different systems out there. And of course, you know, fleets are operating different truck makes, you know, equipped with different engines. And, you know, they rely on dozens of different ELD and telematics suppliers. Uh, so, you know, again, you know, what's, you know, just a bit, little bit more uh, insight into how fleets, you know, including, you know, your customers, you know, how, how can they manage all this information in a way that, you know, doesn't become noise and they can really improve their businesses and, and really derive some actionable insights from the information that they're collecting? You know, that is a great question, and it's one that we continue to um, work at internally here because um, there is a lot of information coming out of our customers. And, and like I mentioned earlier, they don't necessarily have someone dedicated to picking the right system. They certainly don't have always someone dedicated to monitoring these systems. And that ebbs and flows depending on the size of a fleet. And, you know, most fleets are still small private fleets. And, you know, the CEO is the fleet manager and he's the, you know, tech guy too. So um, it, it can be it can be challenging for them to have people dedicated to these systems. But um, over the past couple of years, you know, I am noticing a trend where, uh, especially with some of the newer players on the market, they're getting into the business of consolidating one platform that does it all, right? Whereas a couple of years ago, you would have the, the main player out there and here's your um, primary system for tracking your vehicles and the telematics info, but then you can bolt on all these additional um, peripheral devices or um, integrations that maybe aren't as uh, cohesive as they could be. But now we're seeing more of a trend 
um, and a preference for these systems to be consolidated. So um, where your camera system, your trailer tracking, your telematics, your driver interfaces, everything is coming from the same provider is what we're starting to see um, more and more move toward that trend. But um, our customers typically, when they're coming to us, we can help them through these types of pain points, through the consulting process that we take them through. We really take an in-depth look at their needs, their goals, and their challenges. We make sure we lay up products that can help solve those things and help to um, you know, mitigate whatever it is they're trying to handle or help them be more efficient, help them be more safe, et cetera. Um, honestly, a lot of the smaller fleets that are out there that don't have a partner like Penske, it might still be you know, difficult for them to find the right system that isn't just going to send a ton of information at them that they can't necessarily take action on. Um, so if they do have, don't have a partner like Penske, I, I, I'd suggest they, they find one. We, we definitely will take their business for sure. Um, but um, short of just spending the time to see what the best options are out there, it's really difficult to, um, you know, work with all these systems that are out there. But um, with that trend of them consolidating more, I think is helping fleet small and large. No, I really appreciate the insight on this because, you know, I know that uh, you know, at Penske, you're really in a, a unique position in the industry where you work with so many uh, different fleets, so many, you know, different truck manufacturers and, and technology providers. So you're, you're really kind of uh, right in the middle of, of all of this. Join Transport Topics in celebrating trucking's frontline heroes. Late this summer, meet Peter Lacoste, driver for NFI Industries. It kind of feels good. You know, when you do something of service, the job gets done, sure, but it also gives you a little bit of personal satisfaction, you know, being part of the solution. I was always taught you get more if you give. There's more satisfaction in giving. Watch Peter's full introduction video and meet other heroes at ttnews.com. Now, while I have you guys on the line, of course, I, I do want to you know shift gears a little bit because uh, uh, you know Penske uh, is also you know one of the uh, the first to to really test battery electric trucks in uh, real world operations. You know that's one of those other uh, you know big trends that we're seeing in the industry, and you know as as you know very well, you know all the major truck manufacturers have been making uh, significant investments to to bringing you know these electric vehicles to market. Uh, of course, it's still uh, early days, but uh, I, I'm eager to hear, you know, the latest uh, about your experiences so far at Penske. You know, what have you learned so far from, you know, these early days and your your initial uh, reactions to, to having some battery electric models on the road? Yeah, um, it's been exciting. I mean, in a nutshell, but, you know, it's it is a very different um, type of uh, scenario. And it's it's been really cool kind of internally to see, you know, we're a 50 over 50 year old company and it's amazing how many of the people we work with on a daily basis, um, that have been at Penske for 20, 30, even 40 years, some people, and, um, you know, they're excited about this type of technology. So internally it's been exciting to kind of, I think Penske has a, a culture of wanting to take on these, um, you know, kind of big new, um, uh, you know, call them pressures, but they're, they're exciting new types of technologies that are coming out. And, and that's not really new, the, the fact of technologies coming out and us having to adopt to them. But, um, you know, it's been 
very interesting. There's, there's so much learning that goes into it because it's not just a new vehicle. There's also the charging infrastructure, which is a big deal. Um, there's the, just the idea of, of how uh, drivers, the driver experience, and you know, you have a, a quieter truck with a, a potentially a lot more torque um, um, and acceleration and different types of power. At the same time, the truck can't go as far on a charge as it can on 100 or 200 gallons of diesel. So, you know, there's a lot of learnings there. Uh, I think the fact of having the, the tr it not just being a new vehicle technology, but also a new uh, fueling type of system, not that electric vehicles are new, but um, try and fit a tractor trail trailer into a, a consumer um, passenger car um, charging system, and it's just not going to fit. Uh, the, the plug may fit if you can get the truck in that far, but um, the, the simple fact is there, there truly is no charging network for medium and heavy duty uh, trucks. And the trucks we're testing and doing a co-creation project with Daimler Trucks North America has been class six, seven, and eight trucks. So we have the, the EM2s and the E-Cascadias. And then, like you said, there are multiple OEMs working on the same sort of technology. So as those vehicles become available, um, whether it's a, a, a yard truck or um, a lighter duty electric vehicle, we're putting those into the testing and we're doing, we're focused on Southern California just because it's where we've built out uh, our own charging infrastructure, knowing that in the future, that charging infrastructure may have to end up elsewhere and really start thinking about how does that network start to build itself out. But really good um, driver feedback on these things. Um, a lot of learnings on charging vehicles and um, it's just a whole new propulsion system. So with it comes a lot of learning on the, the maintenance side and just, you know, what, what should we be looking for? Yeah, it'll be exciting to, to see some of the, the takeaways that you, you, you guys have, uh, you know, in the coming months uh, and, and beyond, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, this really is a whole new ball game for fleet management. You know, you mentioned the charging infrastructure issue uh, in particular, and, you know, based on what we're seeing, this is generally a case where early adopters will need to install uh, charging infrastructure at the terminals uh, and they also need to figure out, you know, what's the right way to manage recharging to avoid peak demand to make that as cost effective as possible. Uh, any other thoughts on, you know, the keys to managing a fleet of electric trucks as we as we start to enter this uh, brave new world? Yeah, I think for fleets that that are even playing with the idea, um, and it's enticing to to be kind of on the early side of, you know, once these vehicles start to become available. Uh, commercially um, from, you know, kind of a production perspective um, is to really start putting a lot of that research and thought and consulting with utilities and the um, actual charging manufacturers for the, the EVSC or the charging equipment itself, um, because a lot of that can take time. And um, you're talking about if you are going to charge at your existing location or your yard, you've got to figure out where is that infrastructure going to go? Does the utility have the power available for you at that location? So, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of, I've had a lot of conversations with utilities and, and been on panels and, and that type of thing. And the, the constant is that, you know, the power is in the grid. There's, there's power there to power these things, but it's a matter of 
where are those kind of end nodes and being able to get that power to a truck. So sure, there might be power in the grid uh, capable of handling some larger fleets, um, but are you near a substation where that power can, can get to your location? Does your location have more power than you need right now? So you could actually, you have a buffer to at least put a couple of trucks on there. But the, the bottom line with, with charging is you've really got to start thinking now, even if it's, even if you're two years from deploying electric trucks, if it's something you're taking seriously and you want to be ready for, start at least having those conversations with the utilities. If you have several locations, maybe some of those locations make more sense to energize and electrify than others. And when we talk about electric trucks, uh, electric trucks are also going to be connected vehicles. So uh, what kinds of information and fault codes will, will you be tracking with electric trucks? And, and how might that differ from what we see today with, with diesel models? Yeah, I think there's definitely some I could call it more traditional uh, uses of the connected data. But um, one one thing that's great when you're doing some early testing is just having data off the truck. So there's a huge benefit to having vehicles connected from the learnings you get. And, and it's pretty simple stuff at this point, uh, battery health, state of charge. You know, I think obviously batteries become a huge part of a, the propulsion system with an EV. And um, you've got... You know, traditionally you have, you know, a couple of batteries in a truck for, for cranking and, and that type of thing, but you didn't depend on them to, to run the entire vehicle. So that's become a much bigger focus. Um, so, you know, voltage levels and, you know, state of charge. So how much, how much um, uh, power is left in that battery and then extrapolated over that, how far does that mean I can probably go based on that state of charge, that type of thing is, is extremely helpful. Um, I think you start to look at the fleet management of this and the ability to see the vehicles on a map, but then not just where are they as far as tracking shipments and that type of thing, but you know, where are they compared to the charging infrastructure and to make sure that um, any charging infrastructure that, that works for that vehicle is also on that map. So you can start to build routes based on um, where could you opportunity charge? So that's a big, that's a big important term that'll get more and more important as, as these trucks uh, continue to get rolled out. And it's this idea that you can charge a truck uh, at night or during the day or whenever that truck's not being utilized and have it fully ready to go. But there may be opportunities throughout the day um, during a shift, whether it's during a, a mandatory break time or even at a loading dock where um, a truck could get um, charge. So just having the connectivity of that vehicle and understanding where that network lives uh, on the charging side is, is a huge piece of it. But um, Samantha, I don't know if there's anything to layer on top of that as far as uh, kind of more standard uh, connected vehicle activity goes. Um, I mean, well, you covered a, a good portion of stuff that's unique to EV. Um, honestly, connectivity with EVs is still somewhat in its infancy. It still needs to mature a bit. And I think that maturity will be forced in this connected space as, you know, um, regulation and consumer demand requires it to. But um, there are some synergies, like Bill said, you know, where is it? Um, but other than that, there's a ton of differences. We were talking about combustion and fuel. Now we're talking about, um, you know, state of charge and vaults and batteries, right? And the um, telematics guys have to kind of play catch up in this space. There are a handful of providers that actually have products out there now that you can put on an EV should you have one. But um, the vast majority of them are still 
one, learning about traditional vehicles and how to make those uh, their systems work best with those. And um, they rely on partnerships with companies like Penske to learn more so their products can work for those sort of vehicles. But um, um, if they are working on it, they're not making a ton of noise about it. Like I said, there's a handful of them that have products on the market now that address it. But like Bill said, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, where's the vehicle? Uh, where can I get it charged? Um, what is the state of charge? Um, how much energy did I consume? Location, of course, but um, it's still very much in its infancy. And even even things like diagnostic ports, those are not, um, you know, going to be the same on EVs. They're not standard. And um, I think the EV space will create an opportunity to have some sort of standardization in connectivity, because on the um, traditional side, there isn't any standardization. The only standardization out there is for hours of service. Outside of that, every provider kind of um, slaps data together however they see fit, and they've got all sorts of algorithms that make X equal X, but um, there isn't any set standardization anywhere. But I think there's a unique opportunity in this EV space to, to do that. Yeah, and Seth, I'll layer on top of that again, actually. It's, Samantha just brought up hours of service, and I actually that sent me back to a conversation you and I had probably a couple of years ago when a lot of this was starting up, just because it's electric doesn't mean hours of service don't have to be complied with. So, you know, especially for um, the ELD mandate. Now, when you look at the the data parameters that have to come off the engine and it's actually called the engine uh, in the ELD mandate, whether it's engine hours, uh, RPMs, that that those things don't exist in an EV. So, you know, you've got to, first of all, look at, what is sort of like, you know, an RPM or an engine hour or whatever, maybe it's a key on key off type of scenario, but you know, you've got to make some interpretations, but then that has to end up in that rule set at some point. So if ELDs stay a mandate, which they obviously will be, um, how does that, in, how, how do you interpret that when you're saying engine hours? You can't just say, well, it's sort of like, well, it's not. I mean, there's no engine in an EV. EV. There's motors and there's batteries and a, a lot of cabling and some other systems. But um, I think there's this interesting blend of the compliance part of the traditional um, vehicle and, and how a driver utilizes it. And now that ELD, meaning that in, integrally synchronized component of the ELD mandate is, is something that has to be really well thought through. Yeah, the connected vehicle technology will need to evolve and and so will the regulations. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Uh, You know, one other uh, piece of emerging technology I want to touch on uh, quickly here is automated driving. And uh, I think at your you at Penske are at an interesting position here because you've partnered with a self-driving truck developer, Too Simple. Uh, you'll be providing service and maintenance for the trucks that are operating on their autonomous freight network. Uh, Bill, can you tell us a little bit more about how that collaboration will work? I know you've been been working on that. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. So uh, Too Simple has is, is announced this AFN, this autonomous freight network. 
um, starting in the Southwest. And we've been working with them for um, well over a year on their the fleet that they've been building. And um, that was primarily in, in Tucson. Um, and as they've started to stretch that network out now, you know, we have scale and we've talked about that earlier today, but um, having over 750 locations for the service maintenance side of things enables us to, to help manage a growing network. So as this autonomous freight network scales, uh, we can we can be there to work with Too Simple on helping it to scale. So as it gets into new regions of the country um, or in, in, uh, in other areas, we'll have service facilities there. We also have a variety of uh, you know, ways that we service, we can do on-site maintenance where we send people to a location. So if Too Simple has a terminal that they're operating autonomous trucks out of, we can potentially put people at those locations. Now, a lot of this is still, it's early days, you know, it's figuring out how do you, number one, you have to get the technology working in the vehicles. And, but there's, there's a lot there that we can help with. Um, even if you almost think of it as a traditional fleet, um, you're changing who the driver is potentially and, you know, whether it's driver in or driver out, or if it's just um, something in between where there's still a human in the truck, you know, at some point a, a truck may have issues and it may end up at a service location and we'll have to know what's wrong, wrong with it. So the connectivity piece there comes back in as being a huge component and an important factor with understanding how this works. So a lot of the technology we've been doing on the integration side uh, with data and are added to our maintenance capability and scale has made us, um, I think, a, a really good uh, partner on the maintenance side and vehicle supply side for Too Simple. You know, one thing I, I should always address, I think, when when the topic of you know autonomy comes up is there's always this elephant in the room, you know, about uh, what this means for truck driving jobs. And, uh, you know, I'm always quick to make the argument that Automated driving technology is ultimately going to, to complement drivers rather than than replace them uh, wholesale. You know, even if companies are able to successfully introduce a fully autonomous truck, you know, they'll be designed for you know a specific application, right? I mean, they're you know we're absolutely going to need professional truck drivers for the foreseeable future, uh, but the technology could make those jobs more attractive and and help complement drivers and and maybe address the, you know, the workforce challenges that the industry currently faces. But, uh, you know, I've you know, said my piece, but I want to get your take on that question as well. You know, how do you see automated driving technology rolling out in our industry and, and what is it going to mean for uh, drivers? Yeah. And I, I totally agree with, with everything you, you said there. Um, and I think, you know, humans are integral to transportation and it's a whole, there's a whole network there. And, a lot of a lot of the work that goes on in trucking is not just point A to point B, point B to point A, and back and forth, and it's full loads and very little need for human interaction between those two points. But what's the reality of it is there are so many high touch operations where there's multiple stops on a given route, um, getting into very tight um, uh, non. Uh, standardized kinds of locations, um, doing uh, individual drop-offs, say, say on, a, on a run during a day where a tractor goes out fully loaded and makes stops at, at 10 retail locations, dropping off um, different types of uh, goods at each of those locations. Um, 
how does an autonomous vehicle do that? It doesn't really, you know, and at some point you, you're talking about other types of automation to make that even possible. So I think you're right that there will be use cases. Maybe it's the long haul, low touch, very standardized, very predictable routes where you start with this type of thing and where you look at, okay, there's value there. There's a need to have that long haul. Um, maybe it's harder to get drivers for some of those multi-week out on the road types of operations, but you're not going to replace humans, um, even if it's either end, um, even if you start calling the person in the vehicle an operator rather than a driver, whatever it is, I think there's just, you know, what's going to happen in 20 years? I don't know. But what's going to happen first is certainly not getting rid of drivers. Yeah, I think that's helpful to, to keep in mind. Sometimes I think we sometimes tend to let that argument, uh, uh, you know, kind of come into play, you know, decades uh, earlier than, you know, it, it really will become realistic at all. But, um, you know, changing gears just a little bit here, I, I also feel that we should probably uh, address, you know, this this huge event that we're all going through with the, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, this has affected, you know, really everybody and, and freight is no different. Um, but there's some interesting implications from the technology side. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, just what you think that, you know, this event will mean for the way that trucking companies are going to think about connected vehicle technology in the future. I mean, obviously there's a, a you know, maybe more clarity that we, we need freight visibility and, and, and fleet tracking and monitoring capabilities, but what are you seeing so far and, and what are your thoughts on, you know, how this will affect uh, connected vehicle technology moving forward? Um, yeah, I, I would say that the pandemic forced all of us to kind of think differently about how we work. Um, but specific to your question around connectivity and transportation, um, I think for the past couple of years, everybody was just kind of um, doing what they absolutely needed to do and no more. Um, so I need to be compliant with the ELD mandate. Let me get this ELD. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to protect my company from um, litigation. Let me get a camera. But now I think, you know, the pandemic and how it did disrupt uh, a number of things in transportation is, is forcing fleets to kind of think outside the box, just like it's forcing all of us to think outside the box and, and work in different ways. Um, so it's not just why things that are forcing them to be compliant to adopt technology, they are putting more thought to how can I work smarter? And even things as basic, like you said, where is my truck? I can't tell you how many fleets just didn't know that much. Um, dots on a map was, you know, just dots on a map, but now those dots kind of connect to breadcrumbs and routes and, um, you know, information you can relay to your end customer. Um, so we're seeing a lot of customers circle back to us to kind of explore, you know, what sort of data they can derive from this connectivity and how can they make that data actionable. Um, so, yes, they want to be able to um, see where their vehicles are, but it's also about utilization. Um, how, how much are these vehicles being used or uh, do I have some capacity here? Should I move these things around? Um, also, the same thing with their drivers and their hours and their availability. So. Uh, I think our, our fleets are trying to leverage technology as much as possible to help them get through some of these pain points. But I think it'll go all the way through this um, current state of things. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more adoption because it's just going to be table stakes, honestly. Um, where's my truck? Uh, what is it doing? How healthy is it? Um, how is it performing? Those sort of things are going to be table stakes going forward, for sure. Before I let you guys go, I just want to get uh, uh, some final thoughts from from each of you on 
you know, where do you think we're heading as an industry? You know, just, you know, again, this is sort of the, the crystal ball question I, I like to say for the end, but, you know, how do you think uh, transportation uh, technology is going to evolve and uh, how much, how do you think it's going to change uh, and, and alter our industry over the next 10 years? What are your thoughts? So I think, you know, over the previous decades, you've seen incremental change on vehicles and sure, some of it's exciting, especially a lot of the safety equipment that's come out. But again, it's been incremental. When you look at um, things like electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles, those are massive shifts. You're either talking about wholly or partially changing who the driver is in the vehicle or completely changing not only the propulsion system, but the way that you fuel that vehicle. I think the technologies can be extremely exciting and there's a lot of buzz. I mean, there's a lot of buzz in, in not just you know trade magazines that um, transport topics and the like, but across the board, just automated driving, electric vehicles. Like this is a, an exciting time to be in transportation, but it's not just a technology. It's um, the ability for an industry to make practical use of those technologies. So we call it practical innovation. And I think it's, we've gotta be aware of the technology that's out there, but we have to understand how do we ad adopt those technologies and adapt them to our uh, use cases and our uh, specific industries and how to, in Penske's case, how do we make our customers thrive and succeed with the use of these new technologies? So, you know, I think EV and AV, even if nothing else gets added to that small list, you're talking about a pretty, pretty interesting next 10 years. But, you know, I like that we have the connectivity piece of this conversation as well, because I think connectivity, uh, whether it's just real time telematics or some of the compliance stuff or safety stuff, you know, is really the glue that ties a lot of this together. And that can be looked at from a testing point of view and from a deployment point of view of, of let it, making sure the systems work properly so fleets can operate as efficiently as, as possible. And um, from a connectivity standpoint, out, outside of the EV and AV discussion, I think um, we're going to see a lot more uh, forward thinking. Um, again, there, there hasn't been a ton of, of uh, innovation, practical or otherwise, in in the transportation technology space for a long time, maybe on the on the micro level, but the macro level, I think uh, um, the industry as a whole is becoming more tech savvy, tech forward, and that is even trickling down to some of these smaller fleets. Um, in some in some cases, it's 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 um, you know bottom up, but where I'm seeing probably going to be the most impact, um, it's probably going to be with the OEMs and how they're going to play in this space. Um, you know, again, like I said, traditionally them partnering with a third party provider. Um, kind of put everybody in a box and it's like, okay, what if I've got a fleet that has a bunch of different OEMs in it? But now we're seeing, again, these guys stepping forward and, and just coming out of the gate with connectivity that can be independent of a third party and anybody can access that data and put it to work. So I think that's going to be an interesting space to watch going forward as well. Well, we certainly covered a lot of ground in this conversation, you know, and I, again, I really appreciate the insights, uh, you know, uh, uh, and your time, you know, a lot of you know, as you both said, a lot of exciting things are happening in the transportation industry, and it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch how this all develops. So I'd just like to thank you again, uh, both, for joining the podcast and, and sharing your thoughts. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. 
Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. How can trucking companies harness all the information captured by connected vehicle technology to improve their operations? And how will connected trucks change fleet management in the future? As we've heard from our guests, trucking companies are collecting an ever-growing amount of data on their fleet operations, thanks in large part to the expansion of connected truck technology. Truck and engine manufacturers have all introduced their own remote diagnostics platforms, and fleets are outfitting their trucks with telematics systems and ELDs from dozens of different technology suppliers. Moving forward, the real challenge will be pulling all of this information together in a way that can truly optimize fleet operations. And as we look toward the horizon, connected vehicle technology will play an important role in the emergence of electric powertrains and autonomous driving. The future of trucking is unfolding before our eyes, and that future will be increasingly connected. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.